Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. American cities are way underreporting their carbon footprints. A modeling system called Vulcan shows that on average, cities across the country pollute 18.3% more than they've estimated. By Matt Simon. Okay, question. How much do you reckon your city contributes to climate change? If you added up the emissions of all the homes and businesses and vehicles and industries, you know, everything that makes a city a city, what would your local carbon footprint be? If you feel like you don't have a clue, it's not just you. It turns out that city officials themselves are struggling to accurately self-report local emissions. And that's according to new research out today in the journal Nature Communications. The study used Vulcan, this comprehensive emissions model that was developed by the researchers, and they used it to analyze 48 cities in America. And it found that on average, officials are under-reporting their greenhouse gas emissions by 18.3%. So if you were to extrapolate that discrepancy to all the cities in the U.S., it would make the potentially unreported carbon equal to 129 million metric tons You guys, that's nearly 25% more than all of California's emissions in 2015. Kevin Gurney is a climate scientist at Northern Arizona University, and he's the lead author on this paper, and he says, we're trying to avoid just being critical without having something redeeming to say at the end of all this. Now, he wants to make it clear that it's not the city officials' fault that these numbers are so wonky. They're working with limited resources, and they've still been able to build impressive, though imperfect, inventories of their cumulative emissions. Kevin says in some ways, they're being burdened with doing a job they shouldn't have to do. See, city officials build what's called self-reported inventories, or SRIs, to get an idea of local emission levels. Municipal leaders then use these SRIs to develop climate action plans so they can try to trim emissions where they can. But the problem is that local governments go about this quantification in unique ways, and some have more resources to develop a comprehensive inventory than others. 
Typically, municipal officials will choose between three or four existing protocols developed by non-governmental organizations, and these generally incorporate various forms of energy consumption data and tallies of vehicle miles traveled within the city. And they can also count the buildings in their city to estimate how much the built environment contributes to emissions. The result they get is a scattershot approach to quantifying emissions with no national template. Officials in one city might find it difficult, for instance, to get numbers on fuel consumption in certain industries, so they leave that information out, thus underreporting overall emissions. Leaders in another city might go in the opposite direction and overreport their local footprint. Others might lose the team responsible for the SRI when an administration changes, so they'll also lose their institutional knowledge of the intricacies of what went into that report, like which emissions might have been left out of the tally. Kevin says if you step back from it for a minute, it seems actually like kind of a silly thing to do. Not that you shouldn't do it, but that you shouldn't have every single individual city having to redundantly build this information. It's expensive, it's difficult, it's hard to do it systematically. Okay, so as an example, let's look at Flagstaff, Arizona. According to Kevin, officials there were incorporating retail sales from gas stations in the city's SRI calculation, which is usually a a perfectly reasonable way to estimate emissions from local vehicles. But emphasis on local. The issue here is that Flagstaff sits on an interstate highway, and there's no way to separate gas sales made to residents from sales made to people stopping by on their way between Albuquerque and Las Vegas. When it comes to using retail gas sales as a data point, Kevin says there's nothing technically wrong with doing that, but it's probably not appropriate to reflect that in the emission account of the city of Flagstaff unless they want to take responsibility for emissions that are occurring within 500 miles of the city. Having each city build an individual SRI is kind of like developing a national weather forecasting system by asking each county to characterize their local weather and then gathering up all those systems into one cohesive model. Kevin said, well, that wouldn't make any sense when we're doing weather forecasting. In the same way, a greenhouse gas emission system shouldn't be every single entity doing this redundantly themselves. Okay, so how should we be doing it? Kevin argues that the Vulcan system can shoulder the burden of calculating carbon levels for cities across the U.S. He and his colleagues have been developing this system for 15 years, incorporating two dozen data sets that can thoroughly quantify sources of emissions across the country in fine detail. Vulcan looks at things like traffic and census and air quality data and takes an inventory of the emissions from all the power plants in the U.S., And in some cities, like Los Angeles, the model is so detailed it can tell how emissions vary block by block. And the team has been able to confirm Vulcan's modeling of emissions with atmospheric measures of CO2 across the U.S. And also in their research, they found that these city self-reports are often out of step when compared to Vulcan's outputs. They found that some places, like Flagstaff and Palo Alto, significantly over-report their emissions by like 60% and 40% respectively. But then there are others, like the California city of Torrance, it under-reported by over 100% according to the study. Whoa, calm down, Torrance. I should probably mention that the team did adjust Vulcan's output for each city, So, like, if one left out industrial fuel use, for instance, so would Vulcan in order to better square the results. And this means that Vulcan would also come up with somewhat of an underestimation compared to a complete report. 
Okay, so why is it important that we resolve these discrepancies? Well, for one thing, city agencies can end up sinking considerable time and resources into reducing emissions. Like they might create more public transport and green spaces or make the built environment friendlier for pedestrians. So they should have access to the most accurate data possible to figure out which projects they want to fund. And local data constantly changes as a city naturally transforms over time, so policymakers can find themselves tasked with making decisions based on a recent SRI report that's already out of date. But Vulcan is consistently updated every two or three years, with new data across the board. And that can characterize a city's growth over time. Kevin says we're suggesting that this needs to be done in an ongoing fashion. He says governments can reach out to his team to start digging into Vulcan's data on their cities. So does that mean then that Vulcan could become a sort of standardized platform for American cities to more accurately measure their emissions? Well, if you ask Brian Snyder, he says, I think that's plausible for sure. Brian is an environmental scientist at Louisiana State University, and he wasn't involved in this particular work. But he also says, and I think it'd be a vast improvement upon what they're doing right now. At the moment, Brian thinks that cities are best equipped to transform their transportation. He says, if you want to reduce your emissions from transport, you have to know what your emissions are to begin with. And one of the nice things that Vulcan does is it sort of shows you very specifically on the grid space where they at least think those emissions are coming from. And that could help city agencies figure out where to beef up its public transportation, for instance. But Brian also says there's only so much a city can do to reduce emissions in the short term. He says a lot of stuff has been baked into the cake for a hundred years. Like, for instance, oil refineries. They remain a scar on the landscape for many cities. Getting data from Vulcan would not be step one, but what Christopher Jones calls step zero in how a municipality plans to cut its emissions. Christopher is the director of UC Berkeley's Cool Climate Network, which develops climate solutions for cities. And he wasn't involved in this new work either. But Christopher does say, I really find a lot of value in projects like Vulcan that are trying to provide that information with no effort on the part of the cities. That's really important, but you do have to work with them to figure out what their needs are. Just giving them data isn't useful to them. You'd have to present that data in a way that provides context. So, for example, how local emissions are changing over time. And when you find an emissions reduction target to hit, city officials need options that are within their control. I mean, they can't just tear down a power plant that runs on natural gas without coming up with a new, green way to immediately replace that energy. But in general, Christopher points out that cities wield more immediate control over land use. For instance, local agencies can make plans to develop more green spaces. Creating accurate and standardized ways for cities to track their carbon footprint will be especially critical in the future. Half of the world's population currently lives in cities, but that figure is going to skyrocket to 70% by 2050. Cities are already responsible for three-quarters of global CO2 emissions. And on top of that, the laws of thermodynamics tell us that cities are more vulnerable in a warmer world. They tend to be considerably hotter than rural areas, thanks to the urban heat island effect, which is when the concrete soaks up the sun's energy during the day and slowly releases the heat at night. One recent study found that by the year 2100, cities could warm as much as 4.4 degrees Celsius. Kevin Gurney says not only will Vulcan keep pace with the growth of cities, where the world is becoming an urban world, 
it'll also be able to allow for course correction. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.